I really want to get into some basic like foundational elements of walking with God, like early, you know, just as you're starting things that might in some ways seem kind of like, I don't know, rudimentary or like almost unnecessary to go over, but it's, it's so important to cover some of these like foundational elements of, of our walk with God that, you know, even if you have been doing this for a little while, it's still really important to um, keep these things uh, in mind consistently. And so before I like really get into it, I really, I want to ask, like, is there anything that you guys have started like a skill or an activity that you've like just begun to do recently, starting from like ground zero and tried to work through? Just, just shout it out. Uh, quiet time. Quiet time. Cool. Just anything, by the way. I'm talking about like, you know, just whatever. Swimming. Okay. Right. You never swam before? Wow. Reading the Bible. Okay, cool. So, yeah, seriously, anything here. Any other, even in the past, like, five years, you know, just, like, think about, like, just whatever random little little skills or things. Rugby. Okay. Yeah. Did, did like, you, do you know, the, did you know about rugby beforehand, like, much? Or? No. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. That's a, that's a that's a very American like we don't know anything about rugby. Is it a thing in Germany? Okay, yeah, it's not it's not a big thing here either. It's but it's around somehow. It survives. So um, good on you. That's cool. Um, and so any other any other things you guys want to share? Things that you've gotten started recently? Um, feeding that a baby. feeding a baby yeah. and changing diapers, baby stuff, dad stuff. <laughs> yeah. All these things that you just kind of, like, perhaps, have you ever changed a diaper before? Yeah. Okay, I haven't. <laughs> I'm still, I still got, <laughs> you know what I mean? But once you, once that happens, you know, it's just like, it's all different. And you gotta, you gotta learn one way or another, right? Um, so, um, so yeah, it's, the, the original prompt that I was given for, like, this workshop was, like, getting started in your walk with God getting started in your walk with God. And so it's just like, when I think about that, there's any, there's all kinds of different skills or activities that we're kind of accustomed to maybe just like, yeah, you start somewhere early on and you kind of feel like weird about it at first because like you might not be very like naturally inclined to it, but you have to build up um, the skill and um, the, just your potential in that. And so for myself, um, about 10 years ago is when I started like playing guitar and what that looked like for me was just picking up a guitar and looking up some things online and just learning songs that I knew. And there was just a step-by-step -step process of me trying to kind of hack at it and enjoy guitar enough to like actually, you know, put in the work that was necessary to get started in that activity. And then another activity that I've seen play out in my life is running. Uh, about three or four years ago, I started running just as a form of exercise, because before then, I didn't, I didn't exercise. And so <laughs> it was just uh, something that I was like, oh man, I, maybe I should really start doing something like this. And so um, <clears throat> I got into that, and over time have kind of built up this like, you know, thing that's turned into like something I'm actually passionate about in some way, and I enjoy, and it, there's habits that are kind of ingrained in me about it. And just a week and a half ago, I did a half marathon for the first time. And so it was like, 
oh, cool. You know, I've seen that progression kind of take place over this, you know, just a couple of years. And throughout that time, it hasn't been this like, you know, steady, amazing trajectory. There, you know, there's been a lot of like, oh, and like, you know, something happened or, oh, like an injury, or, you know, or just I got lazy, you know, I let other things, you know, so there's been a lot of ups and downs with that. And so, uh, but getting started with anything, you know, kind of has a certain feel to it. Um, and, and specifically for, I, I choose running because it's, it's personal to me and because we see that metaphor kind of mapped out a little bit in the Bible as well about the way we run our race with, with, with God. Your life in some sense is a series of kind of races that you have to discipline yourself, like to train for. And you're kind of like, okay, there's a certain thing, you know, that you're trying to achieve. And then there's also the sense where it's described that your life is one big race. Your life is one big race that you are trying to uh, achieve the best possible, you know, time <laughs> or do, do as well as you can in um, for the glory of God. And so one verse to me that really kind of speaks to this whole idea is Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 2. It's talking, it says, uh, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So right in the middle there, it says, let us run with endurance the race, the race that is set before us. You begin your walk with God, and there is a race that begins at that point and continues throughout the rest of your life. And, uh, and there's an encouragement here to run with endurance. And um, actually, uh, I, I kind of figured it out in my calendar. Five years ago yesterday, I was at Hume Lake. I was standing on like a bridge. Who's, who's been to Hume Lake? Yeah, okay, right on. There's this, one of these bridges near like a Ponderosa Dining. I was standing on that bridge and I looked my girlfriend in the eye and I said, I said a couple of mushy things and I said, let, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking at Jesus. And then I got down one knee and I proposed to her. And so that's, that happened five years ago. Thank, thank you, yes, yeah. <laughs> it was a while ago, but I appreciate the, uh, yeah. And so, uh, in that in that sense, I wanted to set a standard of like we're we're intertwining her and my you know me and my now wife we intertwined our races our the runs that we were making you know together uh, we all as followers of Christ have our own race that we have to run but then of course we get to run it alongside of you know other members of the body of Christ which is a joy and we also you know might have companionship that gets to kind of intertwine those, those runs that we have, you know, in a special way. Um, but, but regardless, you know, we all have that, um, that thing to do, that race to run. And so uh, when we see that in the Word, and I really want to explore that uh, with you for the next just a little while, and then I'd love to kind of open up for any questions that you have about this. But uh, before I move on, let me just pray for... Uh, us and for me and for the rest of our time. Uh, Father, we're grateful for 
your work in our lives to bring us to the point where uh, we are aware of our, our need for you. You have, you have brought us to the point of accepting you as our Savior, and I pray that you would lead us into every stage, step after step, of walking with you and running the race that you have set before us. And so I pray, Lord, that you would uh, just uh, speak through me in your word, let your spirit uh, do a role, do a big part in this to show us what we need to hear uh, from these things. And uh, I pray that uh, this will be a transformative time in some way and that we would uh, get new things out of it. And uh, that would, it re- this would really um, positively affect the, our trajectory of our walk with you for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So I have some steps that I've sort of laid out for you. And not even all steps are really about the getting started process, but I, want, I didn't want to leave anything out in terms of like, here's how the race goes, you know, and the, how we, uh, um, you know, run, run the race as followers of Jesus. And so the first step is to start moving. And when you get started in any, any activity, just like I was talking about, you know, sw- uh, you know, swimming or rugby or, you know, anything like that, it's just like, you need to just simply begin, right? And you just kind of jump into it. Considering to do something doesn't count as doing it. You got to actually just like jump into it, right? And when I started running, like I didn't have all the techniques or the fancy gear. I just had to start like moving, right? And so, you know, coming, you know, coming to this workshop implies you've already taken the step of like committing your life to Christ and choosing to make him the Lord of your life and that you're ready to move on to further steps. But I I need to start somewhere in terms of, all right, before you become a disciple, what first must, the the initiating step of that is making Jesus the Lord of your life and for believing in him and following in his footsteps. And so just for clarity's sake, (laughs) I need to mention this now, is is, is that if you haven't even made that decision yet, then that is, Step number one, and you cannot move into the rest of being a disciple 101 until you have made him the Lord of your life and made that decision. And so I'm stating that just to kind of cover some ground here. Colossians 2, 6 through 7 says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So as you receive, so it's like you need to, at one point, at one moment, receive Christ Jesus the Lord. And that sets that, that pace, that trajectory of your life of following him and being a disciple of him and walking in him. That's that, that movement, that running that race. You know, we also refer to following God as your walk with God, right? And so there's a, there's a movement that you begin at the moment of, whatever, conversion, right? Or giving your life to Jesus. And so for you and for every other person on planet Earth who wants to become a disciple, well, Jesus says, you must take up your cross and follow me. And part of that means, you know, believing in him, giving your life to him. And so I find it really important to just start there. This is how you become a disciple, (laughs) to uh, get moving and to make him the Lord of your life. And then step two is to set some perspective. 
you got to set perspective because once again, when you start any activity, when you get started, uh, you need some goals and perspectives that are going to keep you going long-term. And you, it's great to just sort of hop into something and to expect the, some of that momentum to carry you forward a little bit. But you really need to understand, like, why am I, why am I doing this? Why am I running? Or what am I trying to accomplish? And how will I get there? Right? And so in the same way, there are some key perspectives about running the race of the Christian life that's, that, are, that are absolutely essential. They're absolutely essential for getting you to the finish line. And so a couple of these um, I kind of see in some of these verses I've uh, put on your paper. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so a key perspective, a key perspective that's so easy to lose sight of early on in your walk with God is this idea of we are saved. And we see this trajectory through the verse. We are saved by grace. By grace, you've been saved, right? Saved by grace through faith for works. Saved by grace through faith for works. And there is a pattern or just a natural kind of default state that we as people, we see our value in what we can accomplish or contribute often. And every man-made religion in the world is telling you about what you need to achieve and accomplish in order to receive that salvation and to achieve that, um, that whatever, whatever the kind of like the goal is for that, you know, belief system, the salvation, right? And so, no, but for, for us as followers of Jesus, he has done everything that we need in order to um, have the forgiveness of sins. And so that, that's good news for us because we can't do this without him. We are saved by grace through faith, so we must believe in him. We need to trust him, have faith in what he's done for us. And then we're, we're saved by grace through faith for works. And so the first two parts of that, that kind of pattern are talking about just the things that God does in us to, to draw him to, us to himself. And then we're saved through faith, you know, just that, that one act of simply believing on him. And then that sets us apart, sets us aside to do the good works that it says in verse 10, which God prepared in advance for you to do. Which God prepared in advance for you to do. And so there are works that he wants to do through your life. And those are all results, however, of the salvation that he sows in your heart at the moment you decide to believe in him. And so we do not work to earn God's favor. Like, like full stop. And this might sound to me and to some of us like a kind of a yes, we know David kind of uh, thing, this is incredibly 
important. This will come up time and again for yourself and for people you lead in your life that your works do not save you. Your works are a result of the grace of God. You have been saved through faith, not by works, it says, so that no one can boast. It's like we're all on even footing with this, you know, and nobody's like superior to another because God's, you know, cleared, cleaned the slate for us by, by no work or merit of our own. And, but, but we, he's created us in Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So that's the key perspective that we need to have when we run the race so that we're not trying to earn God's favor in, in this race that we're trying to run. That is so important. And then 1 Corinthians 15.10 says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. This is once again very related to that same idea where God's grace is fueling this process. God's grace is fueling this process. The race that you are running, the work that you are doing for God, the good deeds that he wants to perform in your life. And he says, though, like, I worked harder than any of them. Like, I'm working. I'm, I'm going at it. I'm running as hard as I can, essentially. Though it was not I, though it was not I, Paul says, but the grace of God that is with me. So he attributes that fuel to God's grace. But he also is saying, like, man, I'm, I'm striving here. I'm working here. This is a part of what God's purpose for me and for every believer. And so let's, like, strive for that, both in the sin that we choose to reject now that we are followers of Christ and in the, in the good deeds and the good things that he wants us to do, the good fruit that he wants us to produce in the world. And another key perspective, so, so that perspective of uh, grace, saved by grace through faith for works, is incredibly important. And I also want to add another key perspective, and that is assurance, assurance of salvation. Um, this is related because, you know, sometimes we can feel like if we do mess up in some way that we've sort of stumbled and out of God's favor. But once again, we can't do that. <laughs> you know, his love is powerful enough to, to overcome that. And in 1 John 5.13, it says, I, it's not on your paper, but 1 John 5.13, the author says, uh, I, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. If you believe in the name of the Son of God, and he says, that you may know that you have eternal life. And so it's like, if you believe in the name of the Son of God, if you are, are in some way in this moment like committed to following Jesus and believing in him, then you, you may know that you have eternal life. And then in John 6, 37, Jesus says this. He says, everyone the Father gives me will come to me. The one, that, the one who comes to me, I will never cast out. And so if you, if you come to Jesus, you know, then uh, if you truly, that's the trick here, if you truly come to Jesus and give your life to him, surrender control, then uh, he, that, that he will never cast you out. And uh, even, the, even if you sin, you know, even if you mess up, 
That's the, the last one's John 637. And so those are some key perspectives and there's probably plenty more, but I really want to like lay some groundwork of like, this is the things that you need to have in your mind as you strive for a sense of like excellence in running the race. It is crucially important to just know that like as hard as I am going to try and I'm going to try to, to run fast. <laughs> uh, if I fall, you know, if I trip in some way in the race that God has laid out for me, then his grace, his grace is enough to like, to cover over that, to, to obliterate that and, and pick me up and, and set me back on my feet and, and ready to go and, and ready to run just as hard as ever. And so that's, that's something, you know, beautiful that we get to experience. Step three is to develop disciplines. And so this is where I want to camp out a little bit. And uh, let me read this verse to start. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And so with our awareness of the perspectives of how we ought to live this life and with our confidence firmly rooted in God and the salvation that he has bought, he's purchased for us, we need to develop some habits, some disciplines, some patterns that are going to really lead us to the, the life that we want and the, the, you know, the race that we want, right? Run that you may obtain that, the prize. You know, we're not competing with each other, thankfully, you know, as you know, God's people, God's children. We're not competing with each other. And so that's not what this run's all about. But there's a sense in which we should be striving in that kind of way as runners run a race competitively. And so I discipline my body and keep it under control. And so there are some spiritual disciplines that Paul encourages us to, to pursue as we uh, do our walk with God. So who here is familiar with the wheel illustration? All right, about kind of half. Okay, yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share the real illustration just so we're like all on the same page. And once again, even if you're familiar, it's like this is still, this is still good. This is still relevant. Okay, so I'm going to kind of, I have a whiteboard and I'm going to use it. And so um, I do have these listed, I believe, somewhere maybe on the, yeah, the, I think the second page. Um, there's, there's five one, two, three, four, five. Um, things that are a part of that illustration that I want to. And you have some space, right? On the right side of that back, that, that second page. That, uh, that we're just wherever, I, you know. But uh, let's, let's, let's draw that out, okay? So um, it's easy. Big circle. Wow, that was great, by the way. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I didn't do a practice round, you know. Get, this big, get a big circle. And then toward the middle, 
much, much smaller. Second circle, not as good of a circle, but that's okay. Um, about like that, maybe. And then let's get some things moving out from the middle, like so. This is the basis of the, the illustration. And so the wheel, picture a wheel on a car, um, or actually, I don't know, I think about it almost like a bicycle. You got like this spokes, you can see a spoke, right, on a bicycle. And if, if you were to damage, I ride a bike, so I, I kind of know what's going on here, but like, if you damage one of your, enough of your spokes, then like, your, the, the, the wheel's ability to work right is just gonna like, it's all gonna get jacked up, right? And so, one, what would happen if one of the spokes was like a different size than the others? Like, that's, it doesn't form, the, the circularness <laughs> of the wheel is, no, is like in jeopardy now. And so you need all the spokes to be functional, you need the spokes to be the same um, you know, strength and, and size, you know? And so basically there are four key disciplines of the obedient Christian life um, that are part of this. Now, before getting into those four disciplines, there's the center, which is, I usually just kind of put a cross in the middle as a way of indicating Christ the center. So that's kind of written down there. You can see that on the top of that page, Christ the center. And in uh, Galatians 2.20, it says, like, I have been crucified with Christ. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so, once again, that is a, a foundational perspective of our walk with God, where every discipline that we have is rooted in our faith in him. And so he is at the center of this life, and we're not doing it for somebody else's approval. We're not doing it for ourselves. We're doing it for him and his glory, right? And so, uh, there are four spokes here. And so let me go ahead and, mm, yeah, we're going to do like this. I'm going to write sideways like this, the word, the word, like that. However you want to artistically render that is up to you. But it fits there, so I'm going to put it there. These two vertical spokes are related about our relationship with God. They're vertical in the sense that we're down here and God's up here, you know, right? We're on earth, God's in heaven. We're, we're relating to God vertically because his ways are far above ours. And so one, and so, so with that gap and him being way up there and we're way down here, how do we like, you know, bridge that and actually have a relationship with God? Would we do that through two, these two disciplines, the word and this other thing I'll get into. But the word, we have God's word given to us and it is a special gift. And that is something that um, Dana already explained, right? The hand illustration with the, can, can I get a, what were the five fingers of that, if you recall? We all know this now. What? There it is. <laughs> wow, all right. Got them all, very good. Yeah, exactly. So there's these five elements or, or ways of getting into God's word that Dan did a great job 
yesterday, the day before, the day before of sharing with us, you know, the importance of those things and kind of how to do those things. And so I encourage you to use that as kind of a template for getting into God's word, because that is a huge way that we relate to God. We get to know who God is, is through how he has revealed himself to be in his word. And so that's a foundational discipline and uh, especially important in my life has been the discipline of scripture memory. And he touched on that and how, yes, having God's word committed to memory is such a valuable way to have it available to you at all times. (laughs) And you can meditate on it anywhere if you have it in your head. And so I encourage you to, um, you know, if you're kind of confused about the logistics of that, you know, talk to me or somebody else about how to get started with scripture memory. But then also same goes for having a quiet time and getting into the word uh, for reading it and studying it uh, just by yourself as a way of getting alone with God. That is also, that's another like vital, vital discipline of spending time with God through his word. And so that's another thing that um, I can't get into too much detail right now, but that's something that you can talk to me or somebody else about um, just to get a, get a lay of the land about what that should look like. And so getting into the word, that's one of the disciplines. And then the, actually, who, what's the second uh, vertical spoke? Who knows? What? Prayer. Yes. Woohoo! There it is. Prayer. Yeah. So, makes sense, right? We pray to God. We, we get to talk with him, talk to him, and converse with him about... Um, There's various kind of ways that we can think about kind of how to pray. Um, I think even, oh man, I was in some sort of workshop over the past, oh, was it yours, Stephen, that talked about the ACTS? Yeah. So um, what's, what are the ACTS of prayer? Or, yeah. Uh, Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Yes, exactly. So those are four, I've I've used that before when I'm praying. It's like, all right, these are four. Uh, talk to Stephen after if you need that. Uh, but basically, these four kind of like key areas of prayer where in adoration, we're, we're praising God, we're like glorifying him, just like in a worship song, right? We get together, we do these worship songs, we're super into it. Uh, we, you can do that by yourself, whether that's in the form of a song or just in the form of like, re- you can read his word and it tells you things about how glorious he is and like his attributes and you can offer just those words even up to God as, as praise, as adoration to him. And confession means that uh, we are telling God, hey, you know, confessing to him, I've messed up in this way. I've sinned against you. I need your forgiveness. And First John 1, 9 says, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. And so, you know, he, he will he'll forgive if, as, as we confess. And so, um, adoration, confession, Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm trying to remember these, as you're, but I remember now. Uh, Thanksgiving, yeah, just thanking God for all that he's done uh, in our lives. You know, really bearing in mind like the blessings that he has poured into your life because there are plenty of probably, probably plenty of abundant blessings that he's poured onto you that you might not have even thought about today or, you know, yet. And so through Thanksgiving, we can 
thank God for and express our gratefulness for what he's done for us. And then also supplication means that we are asking him to work in our lives and in the world in certain ways. And really expanding our faith through prayer is, is huge. And I encourage you to make a prayer list of things that you are wanting, that you are seeking daily in prayer to God as you are asking him, hey, like, you know, man, I really want to see this friend of mine get saved. Or, um, you know, there's, there is some sort of like, you know, condition I'm having or, or struggle I'm having. And it's, it's still this like work in progress. And I need your help to, to overcome that. And so like, whatever it may be, or some sort of like seemingly impossible circumstance, you know, we can offer these things up to God in prayer through supplication. Uh, and, and keep track, like if he answers a prayer, and if he responds through your, to your faith in that way, then man, like you should mark that down. You know, you can, so the prayer list, <clears throat> you, you can just take a piece of paper and you can draw a line down the middle. And on one side, you can write down, all right, here's my prayer request to God on this date. And I'm, I'm just going to keep praying for that like every day or every week for as long as it takes. And then, you know, on the right, on the right other side, you write, okay, if, if it gets answered, you know, it's like, all right, like God answered in this way. You can keep track of that and see, take, keep a record of how God has answered your prayer. So there's a lot to that, but once again, this is a way that we are, we are relating to God in the vertical sense that uh, he is far above us. And then we got uh, the horizontal spokes. So this is about what? Our relationships with other people, right? Because we're, once again, we're on the same playing field, on the same level. And so the way we relate to other believers is through fellowship. Fellowship. If you can fit that in the little spot there. But uh, fellowship. And so, I mean, a, a trip like this is kind of such a key, like, valuable space to fellowship, both in terms of, like, getting to know each other deeply and connect with other members of the body of Christ to encourage each other and like what God's doing in our lives. Um, especially, especially it's helpful to think about fellowship in the, in the context of like ways that we are, yes, encouraging each other. Uh, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, uh, it's on your page there. Um, uh, just the reference is written down, but it says like, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds. And so fellowship is more than a pizza party is essentially <laughs> what I'm getting at. It's sort of like, Sometimes in Christian circles, it can be kind of reduced to, you know, hey, let's hang out, have a pizza party, you know, and like it's still valuable. It has value to to get together and to join together um, as God's people just to like have a good time together, you know, but really investing in fellowship with the body of Christ um, should perhaps go beyond that, you know, and really um, get into some depth as we lift each other up and hold each other accountable in different ways and encourage each other in our walks with God in our runs that we're trying to, uh, the races that we're trying to run, you know, um, and we're all on the kind of the journey in different places. And so if you can kind of, it can be difficult to open up about those things, but I really encourage you to, uh, expand on that with the, the Christian friends that you do have. And then finally, uh, the fourth spoke is, uh, evangelism. And that is the way that we relate to people who are, outside the body of Christ. And uh, we want to make sure that the lives that we are living are um, representing Christ in 
uh, a right way. And also that we are actually, as, as we are growing, as you are growing as a disciple, that you would actually kind of expand your focus, expand your thinking to, okay, I need to continue my growth, you know, and I need to like meet with God every day, but I need to expand my focus to see outwardly, like there is a world out there who is in, that is in need of the change that God brings, just like Bevan's been talking about the past couple sessions. And so part of how we change the world, so to speak, through God working through us is by reaching out to the people around us through evangelism. And by being a disciple, not only who just remains static, but being a disciple who, remain, who makes disciples. And so that's ultimately an objective that I have for every student who is a part of my ministry. It's like, I wanted to see students be disciples who make disciples. And, uh, and that's challenging, and that's an uncomfortable prospect, especially if you're brand new to this. I, I encourage anybody who is, even if you are brand new to this, to consider that a goal. Like, I want to lead somebody to Christ this year, you know, or something, something like that. And to, and to actually not only just lead somebody to Christ, but actually to disciple them. And perhaps there is somebody in your life currently who is investing in you, is discipling you, who has maybe shown you some of these disciplines and perspectives already. But um, these are people that you can be that person to somebody else. And so even as soon as possible in your walk with God, really make sure that that is a goal of yours to make evangelism a part of your life so that you can be a disciple who makes disciples and multiply your life um, and just see that happen. And as, as these four things, these four spokes occur in a healthy manner, you know, even if you're working toward them, you might not be perfect. This is not about perfection. It is about direction, right? And so what direction are you headed in these different areas? Are you working on these? Are you building on them? And over time, in your walk with God, in your race, you will find ways to build on these and to grow in them and to see God just like really expand uh, your horizons in these different disciplines. But start small. And then as you do those things, then you will... Uh, you will cultivate, you'll develop obedience. That's, this is, obedience is the kind of the turning of the wheel. It's just like, we, it's, it's in movement now. It's, it's moving. And so that's not really on your paper, but uh, that's, that's kind of one final aspect of the wheel illustration is uh, we're trying to be obedient to, to God. <laughs> that's what he's, you know, put, uh, put in our lives. Jesus says, uh, John 15, 8, um, by this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. And so bearing fruit means being obedient, you know, and bearing the fruit of the works that he has, uh, as his workmanship that he has set apart for you to do. Um, and so that's the wheel. These are some key spiritual disciplines that, that I encourage you to get started in if you are not already there. And if you've heard these things before, like even think about, okay, like where, where am I at with this? Like evaluate, I need to think for myself, where am I at with this? I need to evaluate this regularly. And so th this never goes away really. Um, and uh, th yes, those are the disciplines. There are other spiritual disciplines that one could develop. They're, they're out there, <laughs> you know, and you can read about that in the word. You could figure out more about fasting. Uh, and then Stephen had that silence and solitude. Uh, round table yesterday. Uh, 
And so there's just some really cool way, other ways of connecting with God and um, really disciplining yourself in your race. But uh, these are kind of some practical big things. Um, I'm trying to wrap up a little bit more here. So once again, I, I've already covered kind of the main like getting started stuff. <laughs> All right. You get started, you have these perspectives, you know that God loves you and why he loves you and how you respond to that and all these different things. And you, you have these disciplines available for you to explore and to begin that walk with God, that, dis, that essence of being a disciple um, strongly. And then just to round out the idea of our life being a race that we're running intentionally and with purpose, uh, there's, there's two more steps I just want to share with you. First, uh, or step four is to endure difficulties because, uh, as we've heard from our speakers this week, there's, there's a lot of life ahead of you and me that are really going to, uh, you know, mess, could really mess you up, honestly. And it's in those moments where you're forced to decide, like, Am I really, am I really up for this race? You know, and as I, I encourage you, as you connect with God and discipline yourself on the front end and equip yourself with right perspectives on the front end, that if, even if you walk through incredibly difficult things, as some of our speakers this week have, you can endure. And in Hebrews 12, that first verse from that, the front of your handout <clears throat> I mentioned, says to run with endurance. Endurance, the race that's up before us. It's a long, it's a long run. It's a long race. It's a long life, uh, maybe. And so that's something that we really need to make sure that we can actually sustain over time. And so in uh, Philippians 3, the Apostle Paul gives us kind of some perspective that's on this. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Once again, he's leaning hard into this, this running picture, right? And so as, as I endure difficulty, as you know, I was on, I went for a run yesterday morning and there were so many puddles, man. And I was just like, every once in a while, I would like just step into like a really big puddle. And it's just like, oh man, I just felt just like my socks getting wet. And it was like gross. And just, uh, just kind of had to like, and I was like, man, I'm going to have to live with that wet sock for the rest of this run. You know, <laughs> like I had to deal with that. And so that I was having to like endure these just like, uh, like difficulties of, you know, okay, I just stepped in the puddle. I have to keep, I have several more miles left here. Uh, I need to forget what's behind, you know? Okay. I stepped in the puddle. I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I would have looked out for that. You know, uh, I need to set my gaze on what is ahead. I need to focus on the goal. I need to, for, I need to forget what lies behind and strain toward the goal. And so, you know, there's all kinds of missteps of our own there's ways that people might even hurt you in life all of which we need to be able to 
to forget and lay in the past, to learn from them, but to lay them in the past so that we can press on toward the goal, press on toward the goal for the prize, to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Like we need to set our minds on things that are above, not on things on earth. And so, and actually the next verse talks about just our perspective in this, 2 Corinthians 4. This light and momentary affliction, it, the, the apostle, pause, the apostle Paul suffered incredible things, incredible hardships. And he refers to them, <laughs> the, those things as light momentary affliction. Because in your maybe, I don't know, maybe 100 year span of life, Every instance of suffering that you experience in it is a light, momentary, you know, fractional, itty-bitty affliction. It's preparing for you an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Beyond all comparison. So everything that we're like suffering and through and struggling with right now and having to endure right now, is, it's one, it says it's preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. And it also says it's not even worth like comparing, you know? Like, it's, it feels so hard right now, perhaps, or in the moment of what you're going through. And for the Apostle Paul, I'm sure it was the same way. But he says, like, you know, he's, he's forgetting that. He's forgetting what lies behind. And he says that these things, it's just a light, it's just a little, you know, a little flesh wound, so to speak, you know, in the grand scale of what God has for us into eternity the eternal way to glory beyond all comparison. And he says, we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, they, they're temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And so, and once again, there's some disciplines here. There are ways that we are building ourselves up as disciples, as followers of Christ that are unseen realities in terms of how God's building you and your faith and your character that are, that are totally unseen, but that come out in, in your actions, right? And so, but we need to endure through those difficulties. And step five is just to finish well. Uh, there will be an end to every race, and there will be an end to this race. And at the end of Paul the Apostle's life, he says, he tells uh, his his disciple, Timothy, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He, he could look back. Like he could look back and decide, you know, like amidst all the, okay, here's the other crazy thing. Jesus like pulled him out of a life of just sin and opposing God entirely into an amazing ministry of, of being an apostle and writing a bunch of the New Testament. And he looks back, including the intense suffering he experienced, and even, you know, all the way, all the things that Jesus saved him from in his past life. And he looks back and goes, you know, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. What, what matters is, where do I get to at that moment? I need to forget what's behind, you know, in terms of, the ways that I struggle and the, the suffering that I experience. But uh, what does God have for me today? How can I finish the race well um, as, I look toward, as I look toward that day to come? 
my race is going to end someday. And I don't know when that day even is. But I want to be able to sustain in that moment to say, to say that. I have fought the good fight, and I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. And then one more word from Paul. He says this in Acts 20, 24. He says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim, he says, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. What's that task? The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And so in in all the ways that God's grace worked itself in Paul's life, and, and through the ways he disciplined himself and the faith that, uh, that God developed in his heart and the, the, the works that God had set apart for him to do. You know, in the midst of all those things, he's like, I have a, I have a task that God's given me. I have a task of testifying to the gospel, the good news of God's grace. And so in some way, I think that we all have that task that race, that, that particular goal in our lives is like, how can I bless as many people as possible with the grace that God's given me? And so I want that to be, to in some way be the, the aim. My singular aim is to finish the task the Lord Jesus has given me and the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So that's what I want for myself, and that's what I want for you. And so uh, let me just pray to close this kind of section of it, and then I'd love to take any questions you have. (laughs) Father, we thank you for um, bringing us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. And we don't know why you've chosen us, but we are so grateful that you have. And I just ask that uh, for those of us that are here that are seeking to become uh, faithful disciples of you, disciples who will make disciples, Lord, I pray that as we engage with your word and the disciplines that you've laid out for us to do, and as we uh, band together with the body, and as we look outward in ways that we can bless the people around us, God, I pray that you and your, your grace would empower us to do everything that, that you, you've called us to do, Lord. And so encourage us in that. Keep our eyes set on the goal and, and the finish line, Lord, so that we can look back and uh, consider that we have finished the race and completed the task that you've given us. So be glorified through our lives in this way as disciples. In Jesus' name, amen. So, <laughs> yes, wow. Um, how do you, uh, what else do you do to What helps me to discipline myself? Yeah, yes. Um, well, I would say that especially for creating some like personal goals on, on a regular basis, um, for each of these in certain ways, 
um, is really helpful. So I've tried to make a goal of reading the word every day and having a quiet time every day. And that's the goal. There's a sense of which like, I need to try, I need to do that, like no matter what today, <laughs> you know, if I haven't already. And in, in, in with that quiet time is the discipline of prayer. Um, and, uh, and then also, if, I feel like for fellowship, it's kind of a realm where as, if you are faithfully like serving in community and, you know, gathering together with God's people on a regular basis, you know, if you're doing that, like Hebrews 10, uh, 24 and 25 talks about, then like that's, you're kind of living out that discipline in some way. And then for evangelism, there are even ways to discipline yourself in this where uh, there's a tool that we use called the three habits of everyday evangelism uh, that we use for uh, challenge at Chico State, where there's a whole kind of article slash like worksheet that goes along with it. But essentially the three habits are to pray daily for opportunities to share your faith. And I mean, that's just, that's just praying, you know, that's, that's part of your prayer spoke, right? And so if I'm praying daily for all those opportunities, the second habit of everyday evangelism is to create an impact list of lost people that you know that you're praying for regularly to, to come to Christ. Once again, this is like a prayer thing. And then third, uh, a third um, discipline of everyday evangelism is to, um, or a habit, is to regularly spend time with non-believers, basically. And so trying to make sure that, that is even, especially when you're in challenge or in Christian circles, you go to church, you know, like your, your community kind of transfers over from whatever your old friends into, you know, kind of, yeah, more Christian circles. It actually takes some discipline in some ways to spend time with um, people who are outside the body of Christ. You, perhaps that's not, you know, the problem that you experience, um, especially in ministry. <laughs> it's like, that's my job. And so I'm just hanging out with Christians like most of the time. And so like, I need to really try it. Um, it's difficult to do, honestly. And that's something I'm still kind of, you know, constantly working through. Like, what are some other avenues of my life where I am rubbing shoulders with people who are outside of the body of Christ? Um, but just having some clear goals in my mind. It's like, I know every day I'm going to like, you know, do these two kind of vertical spokes in some manner. And then the, the three habits of everyday evangelism are really key. And it's a, it's a way of disciplining yourself in them, but beyond just like kind of there's sort of a vague sense of evangelism, like, oh, I'll just kind of wait for somebody to approach me about whatever, you know. And, but just like really there's some sense of where if you're praying for those opportunities and you're disciplining yourself in some manner toward that to that end, then like you'll actually see these opportunities arise more often because, because God answers prayers, <laughs> namely. <laughs> so um, yeah, that's kind of some thoughts there. Jose? So, like enduring conflict um, or enduring difficult moments mm. or like moments of self-doubt because I know that outside conflict, they're kind of easy to resolve because you know, like they're outside, they're outside with you, so they kind of resolve themselves. Mm. But how do you deal with inner conflict? That kind of self-doubt because moments like those, it seems like it's, your, it's a mountain that you're kind of yeah, that's good. That's a good, you know, thing to consider. And I mean, and yeah, and even through some of the stories we've heard in the main sessions, like there's the conflicts of like the problem, 
you know, your house getting burned down or, you know, something horrible happening to you or your family. But then like, there's the inner conflict even with that of like, you know, how, you know, how could God let this happen or what does this mean for me or what kind of doubts am I struggling with? Um, you know, I think if, I think if we were to ask, you know, Dan or Patricia about that, it's like, my, my guess is that their awareness of what God's word says really informs their response to, you know, if, if, if in some way the word is kind of inwardly a part of me through my approach to it and my, my discipline and getting in it regularly, then there's whatever lies I am having to battle or doubts that I'm having, God's word can do battle with them within me. <laughs> and so, uh, but it, it requires some, some work on the front end, you know, which is now it's like, you know, once again, you're young and you, you know, there are other difficulties that you will have to endure later in life that you can actually lay a foundation for now by building your perspective through what God's word, God's truth says. John 17 17 says, Jesus says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. God's word is truth. And so whatever doubts or lies or, you know, insecurities that I'm liable to deal with in the future or today, <laughs> you know, God's word speaks to that. And so even if you don't have those things kind of like committed to your life or your memory or whatever, like if I'm struggling, I can, okay, sit down, you know, and go, go to the word for, to help with my inner conflict. And then another huge, um, component of this is reaching out to other people, which is hard to do probably when you're kind of in that inner dis distress or despair, you know, but that's, that, that is sort of a discipline in and of itself is like, am I, when I'm faced with that inner conflict, am I going to just try to handle it myself and just sort of hold on to it and not talk to anybody about it? Or am I going to, you know, expect, extend that to the Christians that God's placed in my life because it turns out they are like, they are willing and they want to help, you know, <laughs> and they're not going to, uh, you know, take advantage of me if I'm open with them, it turns out. And so, yeah, really leaning on what God's word and what it says to speak to truth and also leaning on um, the, the Christians in your life, especially, you know, person discipling you. Um, but then there might be other people who you were kind of running the race alongside of, you know, you're running with them or whatever, you're kind of looking over and you're like, man, I'm struggling, you know, like actually being able to share that takes some vulnerability, but it's um, extremely worth it. Yeah. Any other questions? Ooh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, and the reality is, like, I can't control, <laughs> you know, what somebody else does, but I can do my best to, like, set them up for success, right? And so, yeah, when I, in terms of evangelism that leads to discipleship, and I'm, I'm showing somebody else how to get started and to get into the word and to have a quiet time. It's like um, an important thing to do early on is just to do 
one with them <laughs> is honestly, I'm like, all right, come, come next week. Let's, let's get a notebook. Let's get a Bible. Let's get a pen. And whatever I'm, however I approach the word in terms of, um, you know, quiet time. And I have a certain thing, um, SOAP, scripture, observation, application, prayer. I go through that, the, that four-step process. I've been doing that for like 10 years in, in some way, in some form. Uh, and so being able to show that person, just exact, here's exactly what I do, <laughs> you know, and it's not too complicated. And, uh, you know, here's how I kind of ask questions of the word to get insights. Um, and here's how I pray. Uh, just so leading by example in some ways. And then, um, and then I'll usually say, okay, like, um, how many, how many quiet times do you think you can do this week? Can you, if you were able to get into the word like three times this week, do you think that'd be possible? And they'll probably be like, yeah, you know, and so we come back the next week, you know, I'll usually kind of have like a weekly rhythm of meeting with somebody and I'll, we'll come back and I'll keep them accountable and we'll say, Hey, did you? <laughs> do it three times this week. And they might be like, no. <laughs> and, and usually, and, and not to make some, you know, because when you keep somebody accountable, what your goal isn't like to make them feel as bad as possible. You know, if they don't, <laughs> if, they, if they screw up. But I'll ask like, hey, why? You know, <laughs> why not? Not, I'm not trying to like rub your face in this. It's just like, what, what do you think is happening there, <laughs> essentially? Um, and how could you like grow in your perspective to see the word as valuable enough to read three times this week or seven times this week? <laughs> and so usually too, just asking some good questions to try to get to the root of both on like a heart level, like what, what can you do to, you know, really grow in your love for God's word or even on like a kind of more detailed level, like, okay, well, what did you do <laughs> yesterday? You know, oh, I slept until X, you know, this time, or I like kind of played, you know, whatever, I was on my phone, whatever, like kind of there's things that do kind of get in the way of these disciplines that if you ask some pointed questions as a discipler, as a disciple maker, you can say like, oh, well, what, what if you didn't do that? You know, what if you replaced that time? And it kind of requires a little bit of like, you know, pushing <laughs> to, to ask that. But at the end of the day, you know, I can't control like kind of what they do, but I can hopefully keep them accountable, sh share a good example and uh, ask good questions to kind of get to the heart of what's really going on to try to make that a discipline. Steven. What else do you see trials as like momentary afflictions? <sighs> man, I don't know, man. Um, I, I come to these, these things and like I go into the sessions. Okay, first of all, <laughs> hearing about other people's more, more difficult afflictions <laughs> than mine puts it in perspective, you know? And it makes me go like, man, I, I haven't had to deal with that before. But somehow they, they, they went through that, you know? But in some ways, I almost feel sort of unqualified to answer that question because I'm like, man, have I really like, had to deal with like, you know, as much as, you know, so-and-so that I know. <laughs> but I would say that at least for myself as somebody who probably has, you know, more suffering ahead of them than behind them, honestly, <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, 
then I'm looking at other people's lives and going, oh, well, like, I really need to make sure that I'm in a stable enough place with my relationship with God to where, like, you know, I'm just not, like, thrown off the horse entirely when that, when that happens to me. Or it's like, uh, you know, the, Jesus talking about um, Matthew 7, 24 and 25, maybe, where he's like, you know, um, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, that's going to be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, right? And the winds, the winds came and the floods came up and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it didn't fall because it was founded on the rock. But then there's the house that's on the sand. And that's just like, you know, if you are not kind of where you could be in your relationship with God, you're just kind of building your life on the sand, you know? And you might hear, he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, meaning that you could attend challenge for like four, the whole four years of your college career and, you know, be, seem really awesome because you're listening to all this stuff. But if you're not doing it, then you're ultimately you're building a house on the sand that's not going to withstand the afflictions um, and, you know, the winds, the, the floods and um, that beat against the house. And so, yeah, so in that way, I don't really feel... <clears throat> terribly qualified to answer the question, but to me, it's just the example of other people who have come before. Yeah. Question I have for evangelism is: um, Is it okay to say that I'm not ready to be uh, to share that kind of word with, with Christ? Because, like, I know friends who I would want to turn to Christ, and I know friends who have a lot of Christian values but don't consider themselves as Christian. Hmm. Um, and I feel like I don't have the right answers or the right speech to talk to them about hmm. right. it's, 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 for me it's kind of difficult to even introduce that kind of conversation yeah. so for you like when you first started off like how did you start building those blocks of becoming an evangelist wow yeah that's good there's a couple different questions in there huh but uh, I mean, <clears throat> that, that whole, that general idea of like, am I ready, you know? Um, I, I wouldn't count yourself out is my first response to that. It's like, if you have like, in, in some way, even if you don't have all the answers or know all the most eloquent ways of saying it, um, we have, if, if you're a follower of Christ, you have like the key that those people need to experience eternal life and in life to the full, you know, now and into the future. And so like, that's, I don't think you need to hold back. It's, it can be challenging, but in first uh, Corinthians two, first Corinthians two, one through five, this is actually really cool. Paul talks about, <clears throat> he says, when I came to you, uh, he's, he's writing a letter to the Corinthian church. When I came to you, I didn't come with eloquence, or superior wisdom, as I proclaim to you the testimonies about God. Verse two, he says, uh, "For um, but let me let me just do the whole thing. It's hard to <laughs> split it up. Uh, when I came to you, I did not uh, come with eloquence or superior wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimonies about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and Him crucified, the gospel. I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and Him crucified." And he goes on, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that my faith, so that your faith 
might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. That's a powerful word to me as someone who does not consider himself terribly uh, eloquent or um, interpersonally skilled. <laughs> uh, I've seen God work through that, you know, through, through in spite of my weaknesses there. And even the Apostle Paul, who is considered this giant throughout the, <laughs> the New Testament, is like, I came in weakness and fear and with much trembling. Like, you know, I wasn't being eloquent. I came to you, you know, I resolved to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So like in some way, that's enough. And God can do the rest. God can change a heart. Um, but also if you're like really struggling, because that's an understandable thing to struggle with. It's like, this is really hard. It's like, for, <laughs> offer that up to God. <laughs> be like, man, I don't think I'm ready for this. I don't know if I'm ready, you know, but uh, pray for the strength, pray for the opportunities, pray for the, um, the, the means to grow um, in that. Um, and, but no, honestly, I would encourage anybody to like start, just start as soon as possible um, because you have so much hope like in you, especially, you know, early on. It's like there's so much power in your testimony, you know, and so uh, really consider that. And then what was, we're kind of running out of time. But what was the other question? Well, how, when you first started off, what were the building blocks in your I mean, definitely, you know, I'm, I'm spouting off a couple, like, verses kind of in response to some of these questions. Like, I've been memorizing Scripture for a while, you know. And it's just like, it's in there, you know. And so I can, I can have some sort of confidence about, um, you know, uh, my approach to this as I understand that, oh, well, the Apostle Paul, he just resolved to know nothing except Jesus Christ, you know. And another thing, like, um, in 2 Corinthians 12, uh, chap uh, chapter 12, verse 9, once again, Paul says, um, he says, uh, but God said, my grace is sufficient for you. He said, for, God says, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And so I consider myself to be like just not skilled, um, like I said, interpersonally. <laughs> and uh, whatever, I'm like an introverted, whatever. That's a huge part of like my story of what God's brought me from is like the fear and the timidity that dominated the way I lived and the, the, the comfort that I was like just trying to cling to in, in my relationships with people so that I wouldn't have to feel insecure or whatever. Um, and as I was learning some of these things, um, I mean, it was so powerful to think that God's grace was sufficient for my weaknesses in that. So I remember, I remember one time driving to work. I was working at just a restaurant, you know, throughout college. Uh, and uh, I was just driving to work and like wanting to like make a bigger impact, you know, with my uh, coworkers, you know. And I was just like dwelling on that verse, you know, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Just like, man, you know, was it my grace is sufficient for you? My strength is made perfect in weakness. Like, God, your strength is made perfect in weakness. So I was just like, real, I was like, kind of like, almost like shouting to myself. Sometimes if I am, I'm there's been some times in my walk with God, like I just kind of shout things to myself in the car because it gets me fired up, uh, like verses and stuff. And uh, that was one of those times like, like um, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. You know, the power of Christ may rest upon me. And I was just like, man, like I'm so weak, Lord, you know, just like take whatever you can work with and, 
just work with it. And, you know, I, I did get opportunities, you know, in that workspace to a uh, workplace to, uh, you know, share the gospel with some of those guys and um, identify with Christ. And so I wish I would have taken more opportunities, honestly, but, you know, that was kind of a thing where, yeah, just my engagement with the word really just like spoke to me in that way. And, you know, I was praying for God's help with that. And, um, and, and honestly, yeah, if, if, if somebody was doing more to try to like spur me on in that, then I might've even kind of like gotten some more traction, you know? And so really like being around people who are kind of doing the same thing as well is uh, valuable. Um, but yeah, in, you know, we can talk more about that later, Jose, if you're interested, but uh, uh, that's it. Um, yeah, we're out of time. And so uh, I'm still going to be here for lunch. And so, uh, you know, the rest of the sessions. So uh, love to talk more, but uh, thanks guys so much for uh, being here and listening and asking good questions. Thanks guys.